How's everybody doing this morning? Are you happy to be in the house of the Lord? Well, praise the Lord. They're going to build me a little podium real quick. Yeah. That'll work. All right, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, this is this is this is Power Team Podium. Woohoo, yeah. Give it up for my fellas. They they uh the design's a little off. But uh actually I'm gonna change it a little bit. Let's do this. Give me a little bit more surface area. Yeah. All right. What do you think, guys? It'll work all right. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Power style podium, that's what I'm talking about. Praise the Lord. You guys are you guys happy to be in the house of the Lord? I mean, come on now. I don't know about you, but I come to the house of the Lord to worship God. Praise the Lord. But you know, I come to the house of God. I come to the house of God to have a good time. I come here, man. I tell you what, I got to be honest. This is a great church. You want to know why? I go to a lot of churches, pastors of thousands and thousands of people. And they tell you, hey, let's greet each other. Just like you said, hey, let's all get up and greet each other. And you get up, you shake one or two hands, and then everybody just kind of goes back. Man, it looks like everybody in here just made a total circle around this building, man. I think I shook about 30 hands while I was up. I was like, you know what, that's amazing. You guys have a great church family here. Give yourself a big round of applause for that, guys. You really do. And you know what? Today... I want to brag on my guys because you know what? We have been in 11 school assemblies. We did a show on Friday night. We did two shows yesterday. Guys, we have really been working hard and we've seen a lot of things happen in the schools. I had a principal come up to us and say that was the best assembly that they had ever had in their school. Praise God for that. Amen. And you know what? All the schools let us pass out flyers inside the schools telling them about the church. Man, it doesn't get any better than that. And you know what? I just want to brag on you guys. I want to brag on Mike. Where's Mike at? I got to mess with Mike. He's probably hiding back here in the very corner. Stand up, Mike. Stand up, man. You guys give him a big round of applause for making this happen. Mike, I know you're a humble man, but I got to give credit where credit's due, brother. And you know what, ladies and gentlemen? We, I'm just going to get right into the Word. How many guys love the Word of God? Man, I tell you what, I got a word for you this morning. I need you to turn to Genesis. Genesis chapter 6. Oh, yeah. Man, you guys have been feeding us so good. Man, I tell you what, I've probably gained at least five or six pounds. Jerome, I know you've gained some weight. I've seen you eat, brother. Woo! Hey, pastor, it's pretty bad when you get in the bathtub and the water in the commode rises. You know what I'm saying? It's not good, brother. But you know what? We're going to have a good time today in the house of God. Praise the Lord. Genesis chapter 6. Now, i got to be honest with you guys. There's one guy in this Bible. There is one man in this Bible that I'm jealous of. I'm jealous of this one cat. I really am. How many of you in here want a great relationship with God? How many of you guys in here, I mean, every hand in the house goes, yeah, I want a great relationship. Man, I want a great relationship with God. I want God to brag about me one day. And you know what? There's somebody in this Bible that I'm jealous of. You know, there's a man in this Bible that the Bible says God walked with. There's a man in this Bible that the Bible says that this man walked with God. Man, that's what I want the Bible to say about me. I want the Bible to say that I walked with God. Man, that's an honor. But you know what? i got to be honest with each and every one of you guys in here. The man I'm speaking of is Noah. How many guys in here know about Noah and the ark? You know what? When I was growing up, that was my favorite story in the whole Bible. Noah and the ark. How could this man accomplish such a great feat of strength? 
I mean, think about it. I mean, this guy was something else. But the reason being is because he had a great relationship with God. And because he had a, he strived for a good relationship with God, God honored him. God gave him favor. You want favor on your life? Work on your relationship with God. Wake up in the morning in prayer. Give your life to God. Not only, don't just, don't just say, Lord, hey, I'll give you this stuff in my life, but give it all to God. Say, God, I'm going to give you my good stuff. I'm going to give you my bad stuff. And watch God raise you up. You know what? We should all strive for a great relationship. But I got to be honest with you. If you have a great relationship with God, if you just have a relationship with God, you know you're called. You're called. God wants you to do something. God wants you to do something for Him. Every one of us in this room, if you have Jesus Christ inside your heart, guess what, guys? God wants to use you. That's one of the proofs that we're saved, is that God wants to use us. And you know what? Noah. Noah got called in the game, guys. Oh, yeah. Man, I tell you what, Noah really got called in the game. You see, if you have a relationship with God, God wants to use you. And Noah, check this out in verse, in chapter 6, verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. This is the genealogy of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Wow, guys, that's, that's powerful. That's powerful. One day I want, I want God to say that I walked with Him, amen? That's the kind of relationship that I want with God. But you know what? you got a great relationship with God, God's going to call you in the game. He's going to call you in the game, guys. And you know, I, I, I went to a football game once. Now, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't like, I'm, I played football. I don't really like to watch football. <coughs> I'm not one of these guys that sit at the house and watch football on TV. <coughs> I, I played in the Arena Football League. I was an All-American for college. But when I got out of, when I got out of football, I was done. I was done with football. You know, I was ready to go into something else. And I play the game. I don't watch the game. So, but I remember this one time I went back to my old college. And I went to one of the home games. And this was actually the very first time I had ever been in the stands and watching a football game. It felt really weird to be sitting up there in the stands and not actually in the game. And I remember I was sitting in those stands and when you are a person that is in the stands watching the game, what are you considered? You're a fan. You're a fan of the game. Well, I'm sitting up here with all these fans, and the game, the kickoff goes out, man, and we do something good, and everybody's cheering and yelling, yeah, woohoo, yeah, and everybody's all happy. I said, man, this is great. I didn't realize it was this good, man. These guys are awesome. But guess what, guys? Our team fumbled the ball, and the other team picked it up. All that nice, positive energy just went south. Man, I heard this one guy up here go, I can't believe he dropped that ball. Like, Whoa. This other guy over here says, I can't believe that defensive end. I just can't believe this. I mean, and everybody, the whole demeanor of the crowd changed. Oh, and then they scored a touchdown and they got ahead of us. And man, I, people were like, I can't believe that, that, that coach would call that play. And everybody got all negative. And I was like, man, if they would just understand that, that, that there's more to it than the coach calling the play. There's more to it than that defensive end losing containment. Hey, so the guy dropped the ball. Hey, accidents happen. 
I'm looking at it from a ten points point of view. I'm thinking, man, if you're down there and you were in that game, you would know it was a whole lot different. You'd realize. And you know what? I got to thinking about something. Guys, you know, I don't want to be a fan in the game of God. I don't want to be a fan. I don't want to sit in the stands. I go to churches all over the United States. And I see Christians. I see a lot of Christians that just sit in the stands. They show up on Sunday morning. They might show up on Sunday night. And then you don't see them again for the rest of the week. I don't want to be somebody like that. I don't want to be a fan of the game, guys. I want to be in the game. And you know what? If you're a fan of the game, if you're just sitting in the stands and you're looking out, what 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 do we seem to do? Just like that football game, we get a little bit critical. We get a little bit judgmental. We start gossiping a little bit. Well, why did pastor make that call? Well, why did the staff, the faculty, do this over here? Well, I don't understand this over here. Guys, I want to encourage you to get in the game. Get in the game of God. And if you don't know what to do, if you don't know what your part is in this church, everybody should be involved in this church in some way. Some way, shape, form, or fashion. You should be involved in this church. And if you don't know what to do, it's simple, guys. This is what I did. I just went to my pastor. Stand up, pastor. And I said, pastor, I want to do something for God. I want to be something for God. I want. I, what can I do for God? And you know what, guys? Let me, let me be honest with you. There's a statistic out there. You know what that statistic says? That 98% of the church does nothing. While the other 2%, 3% do all the work. You know what, guys? I want to blow that statistic out of the water. If you go to your pastor, you know what your pastor's going to do? He's going to put you to work. If you ask him, hey, I'm telling you, when the statistics say that, there's stuff in this church that you can be doing. Everybody should get involved. Thank you so much, Pastor. Let me tell you something, guys. If you all get involved in this church, you're going to blow the doors and the walls off this place. You're going to have to go into a building program. Everybody should be involved in church. I want to encourage you. I don't want to be a fan in the game of God. I want to be in the game, amen? I want to be in the game of God. Because when you're in the game, you realize it's about teamwork. You realize, oh, I understand why Coach made that play. You see, guys? I... I'm in the game of God. And I want you to be in the game of God. And if you don't know what you're going to do, just go ask pastor. He'll put you to work. You know what my first thing I ever did for God? I went to my pastor. I was pumped up, man. I want to do something for God. I said, pastor, what can I do? And you know what I started doing? I was vacuuming the sanctuary. That's what I did. Guys, let me tell you something. It was the greatest thing I had ever done. You want to know why? Because I was doing it for God. And when you start doing something for God, it fills something in your heart. It gives you a peace. I challenge you today. And besides, last time, that you know, that was the one and only football game that I've ever been to as a fan. I was sitting in the stands, and some old drunk poured a beer down my back. And I smelled like old rank beer for the rest of the football game. I'm like, I'm never going to be a fan again. There's no way. But you know what, Noah? <laughs> Noah got called in the game. How many guys know that Noah got called in the game? Think about it. In verse 13, the Bible's falling apart. Verse 13, I just can't let it go. I, I need a new Bible. I just can't let it go. I love it. This thing's been in 15 different countries. In verse 13 of Genesis chapter 6, it says this right here. And God said to Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, and the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. 
Now, guys, I don't care how good of a relationship that I have with God. That would upset me. That would scare me. I wouldn't like that. The next verse, verse 14. This is what God tells Noah to do. Make yourself an ark of gopher wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you shall make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubics. The width, 50 cubics. And the height, 30 cubics. Now, guys, if you break down a cubic, it's about 18 inches. God is wanting Noah to build a boat that's 150 yards long, guys. That's a football field and a half long. It's 25 yards wide. And it's 15 yards tall. Now, I don't know about you guys, but they didn't have skill saws back then. They didn't have chainsaws. Hey, Tim the Toolman had not been invented yet. You hear me? Noah had to make this entire boat by hand. He had to make it with him and his family at a hard gopher wood. God even told him the kind of wood he had to use. And it wasn't easy to work with. They estimate that it took Noah over a 100 years. To build this ark. Between 100 and 120 years is what they estimate it took Noah to build this boat. Now guys, you know what I do for a living? When I tell you what I do for a living, what is your first response? This is what I do. I break bricks with my head for a living. <laughs> I, heard you, I hear you guys out there. I'll take you outside, lay hands on you, pray for you later. <laughs> guys, I've come, I've come a, a, a lot of adversity against me. People, I've, I've actually knocked myself out doing a head break. Wake up looking at the ceiling with a guy standing over me going, Hey, buddy, you might need to think about getting in another ministry. Guys, I've had a lot of people come to me and say, What are you doing? You're breaking bricks for God? What has that got to do with anything? I've had a lot of people come against me. You know what? I've learned how to deal with that over the years. I've been doing this about 10 years. I've learned how to deal with that. Pastor... You're a pastor. I know that you deal with a lot of stuff. I know you do. I, I have so much respect for pastors because of all the issues with other people that you have to deal with. You have to deal with people. You have to counsel people. And you know what, guys? I gotta, <laughs> Man, Noah. God calls Noah in the game. Now, when I first got when I first got into ministry, man, I'm talking I was brand new in ministry. I'd been in ministry about six months, and guys, I I got a big mouth. I really do, and my mouth has got me in trouble so many times. I grew up assemblies of God, man. I didn't know anything else, and we go to every church out there, every church imaginable. We go to it. I've been in everything you can think of. If God opens the door, we walk through it. And guys, I was in this little Presbyterian church. It was a Presbyterian church. And it was down in, I think it was in South Georgia or South Alabama. I can't really remember. It's been a long time ago. And I remember I walked into church and they had these hard pews. And everybody wore these little gowns. And, and it was just different. I'd never seen anything like that before. And as we walked in, the church was extremely old. It was built in the 1800s. And as I was walking in, I, look, I was looking around. And there was these little seat cushions for people to sit on. Because the pews were hard. The seats were hard. I'd never seen that before. I was like, that's pretty interesting. So the team walks in and one of the guys sat down, boom. Another guy sits down, another guy sits down, and then I go to sit down. And there's this little seat cushion sitting there. And I said, man, I don't want to sit on that. This thing looks like it was a hundred years old. 
I reached down to pick it up and it had been there for so long it was stuck to the polyurethane on the pew. I had to... And it had made two perfect little grooves where it had been sitting in. Somebody had been sitting in a long time because it had two little perfect little grooves in it too. I just kind of threw it out of the way. I sat down and I'm talking to the guys and I look over. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know how old she was. I have no idea. But all I know is she was hunchback and she was looking at me out of her good eye. She was about this far from my face. And she says, Sonny, did you move my seat cushion? Yes, ma'am. She looks right at me in this stern voice. I think she had a little bit of snuff right there. I could smell it. She looks right at me. She says, did you know that I've been sitting in that seat cushion in this church for the last 42 years? I said, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I picked that seat cushion up, stuck it in a groove, set her down, got to talking to her. Before it was over, she wanted me to meet her granddaughter. Guys, listen, I tell you that story to tell you this. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you sitting in your spot in church for 42 years. But can I tell you what there is something wrong with? There's something wrong with you sitting in the same spot with your relationship with God for 42 years. God does not want you to be dealing with the same stuff you were dealing with at 25 when you're 55. Guys, God can do more in your life in five minutes than you can work in 50 years. If you'll just let him use you for his glory. And I promise you, he will favor you. He will favor you. You know, I put Christians in three different categories. I didn't come up with this. This is not mine. But I really like it. I had a buddy on the old team that used to say this. But it's so true. There's three types of Christians, guys. The first type of Christian is the dead Christian. The dead Christian. This is what I call the dead Christian. The dead Christian might come to church every Sunday. Might be a deacon. It might be a deacon. You never know. This Christian comes in, does everything in the order of service, the way things are supposed to be done. But as soon as they leave the church, you would not know they were a Christian. As soon as they leave the church, they could probably count on one hand how many people they have talked to about Jesus Christ. They're comfortable with their relationship with God. Hey, I know I'm going to heaven. I'm not worried about anybody else. Guys, that's what I call the dead Christian. The second Christian is the defeated Christian. (laughs) Pastor, you know these kind of Christians. The defeated Christian is the type of Christian that when they walk in church, you do not want to ask them how they're doing. (laughs) Miss such and such, how are you? Hey, mister, how are you? Oh, the chair, oh, the, the, the devil's in my house. The devil's in my car. The devil's all over my kids. Well, if the devil's in your house, kick him out in the name of Jesus. That devil doesn't have any ownership over us. Guys, this Bible, when, the, when Jesus said that he defeated death, hell, and the grave, he really did. And we got to start believing it. If you've got a situation in your life, you claim the name of Jesus over that situation, and you kick that situation out of your life. Amen? But we got to get that mindset. So many times we just get relaxed. We get in a routine. Oh, Lord, I just don't know if this is going to happen. Well, yes, it will happen. Believe it will happen and God will believe. God will make whatever happen, whatever you believe Him for. If you believe God, if you believe He can do it, if you believe in the power of God, it will happen. If it is in God's will, it will happen. God does not want you to suffer. God does not want you to have that cold this morning, Nathan. As simple as that might be. You claim Jesus over that, and that cold's going to go away. 
That's how we got to, that's how we got to work in this life. We got to realize that Jesus Christ did it all for us. Amen. He did it all. And we can use him for all of our needs. So many times we try to fix, fix things on our own, pastor. So many times I have seen Christians go, well, I can do this. I can fix this. And trust me, you can't fix your problems, guys. I've seen so many people say, you know what? I can do this. I can fix everything. I'm good. I'm no, 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 no. Before I got married, guys, I'll be honest with you. I did enough drugs to probably kill four football teams. I am amazed that I'm alive today. I did a lot of crazy and bad stuff. I was an addict. And when I took my football exam, when I got out of football, they said, you're in perfect health. But you're probably not going to have any kids. You got about a 10% chance of having any kids. And at that time, I could care less if I had kids. But guys, let me tell you something. When I got radically saved... When I received Jesus Christ in my life, I started traveling with the power team. I met my wife in North Carolina. Make a long story short, we get married and she starts talking about kids and I start sweating. Oh, she wants kids. Well, I've never really thought about that, Lord. I need a second opinion. How many of you guys know when you don't like what somebody tells you, you go get a second opinion? That's how, that's human nature. So I went and got a second opinion, went to another doctor. He told me the exact same thing. He said he got about a 10% chance of, of having a kid. I didn't like that either. I'm stubborn, Pastor. I, I break bricks with my head for a living. I got a hard head, guys. Okay, I'm stubborn. So I go to another doctor. He tells me the exact same thing. You're going to have to do this, wear this, take these pills. Maybe your kids won't come out with four arms, you know. And I was just like, God, I don't want to do that. Guys, I came to a point in my life. You got to catch this. I came to a point in my life where I realized that I could not, no matter how much I wanted to fix the problem, there was no way I could possibly fix this problem. And I came to a point in my life to where I had to give it to God. So this is what I did. I said, Lord, I pray for peace over this. Give me peace. And every morning I would wake up. I said, Lord, take this out of my mind. I give this to you, Lord. If it's in your will for me to have kids, Lord, you know that I want a family. You know that I want to do things right. You know that I want, a, I just, I, I want everything that my wife wants. It's what we want. We want everything that our wife, you know what I'm saying? Guys, don't tell me God isn't faithful when you turn everything over to Him. Because when I finally realized that I had to give it to God and I had to draw on God and God alone, I've got a two and a half year old daughter at the house, guys. I got a ten month old baby daughter at the house. I got two girls. God has a sense of humor. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and I love my daughters with all of my heart. In fact, Gracie, stand up, Gracie. Stand up, Gracie. Oh, you're standing. My bad. Gracie, just keep standing for me. My daughter, my youngest daughter is named Gracie. Gracie is going to close for us tonight. Guys, you don't want to miss it. She's going to be singing for us before the program tonight. So you guys want to come out and see her. Thank you so much for doing that too, Gracie. You can sit down. But guys, when I finally realized that I just had to give it to God. You see, so many times we, we, we try to do things in our own way. Just give things to God. If you'll just give it to God and just focus on Him, He will see you through all of your storms.
Now, how many of you in here? Oh, yeah, I never told you about the third kind of Christian, huh? I want to be the dangerous Christian. I want to be the Christian that when I wake up in the morning, all hell is alerted. He's up and he's on the loose. What's he going to do now? Guys, that's the kind of Christian we need to be. When I get out of bed, the devil come to you and say, hey, man, I want to hurt that Randy Wu-Cha-Cha guy. I want to hurt that guy. But man, every time I try to hurt him, I got to give him back seven times what I took from him. Come on, church. That's the kind of Christians we need to be, amen? I dare you to mess with me. I dare you to mess with me, devil, because my God is way bigger than you, and I actually believe it in here and in here. And God, you know what, devil? You know that the only thing that the devil can do to you, the only thing the devil can do to us, guys, is bluff us. That's it. Try to get in our head and say, oh, well, you know, you're not good enough. You can't do this. You can't do that. All that devil can do is try to deceive and bluff us because Jesus has already done everything for us. Amen. But anyway, y'all want to have some fun this morning? Let's have some fun. How much time do I got? Ah, praise the Lord. All right. I got a few more minutes. Uh how many of you guys in here know what an epiphany is? You know what an epiphany is? An epiphany is when something hits your life that is so big, it changes the way you think. I had an epiphany one time, guys. I had a true epiphany. It happened to me when I was in Newark, New Jersey airport. You see, there's one thing that we do not know how to make in the South, Pastor. I'm from Texas. We don't know how to do this, guys. We do not know how to make good pizza. We don't. I'm serious. It's not good. It's not any good. The cheese isn't right. The meat isn't right. It's not. It's just not good stuff. Oh, but in the north, oh, I was in this airport, guys, and I'm walking through the airport, and I smell this stuff from a distance. I'm like, what is that? I remember I walked up to it. They sell it by the slice up there. There's ten pepperonis, and then nine, and then eight, and then seven, and each little pepperoni has its own little grease puddle. <laughs> yes. And I remember I bought this piece of pizza, and I got this big 64-ounce drink, and I'm headed to my airplane. Now, how many guys have ever been on an airplane before? If you've ever been on a big airplane, normally you have first class, you have business class, and you have coach. Now, let me tell you about first class. First class is real nice. Chair goes all the way back. Lady brings in that nice little warm hand towel. Now, I've never rode first class, but I've always heard stories of it. Now, you got this thing called business class. Now, it's pretty fun. You know, the seat doesn't go all the way back, but at least the lady doesn't snarl at you when you ask for the whole can of Coke, amen? Then you have this dreaded thing called coach. Ladies and gentlemen, on a coach class flight, you normally have three seats on one side and three seats on the other. Now, the, 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 the window seat ain't so bad. You can sit down in the window seat, lean up against the plane, and you can actually get comfortable and go to sleep in this position. I've mastered it over the years. Then you got the aisle seat. The aisle seat's not so bad. You can sit down, stick your leg out in the aisle, get all comfortable. Watch out because that lady with that cart will knock your kneecap off. Then you have the dreaded middle seat. Ladies and gentlemen, if you sit down in the middle seat, you've just made two enemies. The person to the left of you and the person to the right of you. And I come on this plane, guys, and I have an amazing anointing. I know I'm as similar as a God. I'm a little crazy. But I got this amazing anointing that when I walk by people, Pastor, they just bow their head and pray. Now, y'all got to, hey, come on now, y'all got to stay with me on this, okay? I can walk by people and make them start crying. It's amazing. I mean, the anointing is thick on me, guys. I step on this plane, 
And I'm this big 300-pound guy, and I got a piece of pizza in this hand, a big drink in this hand, backpack on my back. I walk through first class. <sighs> I walk through business class. <sighs> and I step into coach. And every window and every aisle seat was taken. And as I walk by people, they just bow their head and pray, Oh, Lord, please don't let that fat man sit by me. Please don't let it happen, Lord. Oh, Lord, don't let it happen. And as I'm going by, heads are going down. And I looked over this, this guy. He looks up. He makes eye contact with me. I said, oh, there he is. I said, hey, man, you mind if I sit down? He's like, uh, I'm like, thanks, brother. And I look over and guys, I've gotten in trouble for saying this in a lot of churches. I really have. But I can say it here and get away with it. Yes. There was this little lady. This is no lie, guys. She was four foot eleven. But with her Pentecostal honey bun, she was about six foot five. You guys know what I'm talking about? <laughs> she looked up at me. And I said, ma'am, you mind if I sit down? She never said a word to me. She just looked at me. She did not want me to sit down next to her. I don't know how I did it, Pastor, but I got past her and I got off sit down. Oh, I, man, I pulled that pizza up to my... We took off and I'm getting all situated. And I look over at my pizza and I pull it up. They make cheese a little different in the north. In the north, cheese is really stringy and really runny. I did not know this. Half the cheese was gone off my pizza. I'm like, where did my cheese go? True story, guys. It went up and over the honey bun. I said, Lord, what do I do? He said, just let it go, son. Just let it go. So I pull that pizza up and those grease puddles start to form one and I devour this piece of pizza. And then I drink this big 64-ounce drink and I'm sitting in a saturated fat insulin haze. I'm ready to go to sleep. And man, I'm so tired. I've been on the road for weeks. And this guy next to me, he looks over at me and he goes, so, hey, buddy, what do you do for a living? Guys, if somebody asks you what you do for a living and you tell them that you break bricks with your head, it opens up a whole slew of questions. So I just said, hey, brother. And I went through the whole spill with him. Told him everything that we do, how we go into the schools, how we invite them back to the church. And he looks right at me after I got through and explained it to him. He said, that's great, man. I'm a Christian too. I said, that's great, buddy. And you know, have you ever had God pull on your heart to do something? God really instilled it on my heart to ask this man why he's a Christian. But I didn't want to mess with him. I'm a real person. Have I got any real people in here? Have I got any people in here that, that actually wake up on the wrong side of the bed like I do? Guys, just because I have the awesome privilege to stand in your pastor's podium and to preach the word of God, I'm a real person, guys, just like everybody else. I have a bad day just like everybody else. I didn't want to talk to this guy. And I was struggling with talking with this guy because I was tired. And I said, Lord, I don't want to mess with this guy. And I really felt God pull on my heart again. Josh, you need to ask this man while he's a Christian. I'm like, Lord... Do I really got to, I just, I just don't, I'm going to go to sleep. He goes, Joshua. And when he puts the UA on the end of my name, I know it's bad. He goes, Joshua. Let me remind you that we're traveling at 30,000 feet. Hey, buddy. Hey, man, why do you think you're a Christian? And this is what he told me, guys, and this is America. This is the country we live in. He said, I've got three beautiful daughters, and I'm putting all three of them through prestigious colleges. I said, okay, that's good. He said, I've never cheated on my taxes. I said, okay, that's great, man. He said, I've never cheated on my wife. 
I give a lot of money to a lot of charities. I go to church every now and then. I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. What did he leave out? Jesus. Hit it on, hit the nail on the head, buddy. He didn't say anything about Jesus. You see, ladies and gentlemen, there's a lot of people in our country that even go to church that are deceived. They're deceived because they think because of their works, their good deeds, their stature, they're going to go to heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, honestly, the Bible says we're not saved by our works. It's because of a free gift of salvation. It's because of the free gift of salvation, we're even able to reach the Father. Because of what Jesus Christ did on that cross. It's all about Jesus. He's our meal ticket to heaven. Amen? And a lot of people think, well, if I do all these great things, well, they're going to stand at the great white throne judgment in front of Jesus, and they're going to go, well, Lord, I did all this stuff for you. I did all these great things, and He's going to say, depart from me because I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you. So I'm looking at this guy. And you know, you got to be real careful how you talk to people. You might be the last person in their life that can win them to Christ. So I changed the subject and I started talking to this guy. And I started talking to him about President Bush. Now, this was back when President Bush was popular. Okay, guys? I said, hey, man, what do you think about President Bush? He said, oh, President Bush is a great man of faith. You know, I really like him. He's a good Christian guy. I said, man, I like President Bush. He's a good fella. Man, President Bush, man, I know where he lives. I've been by his estate in Rosewood, Texas. It's amazing. You know, I know a lot about President Bush, man, but can I be honest with you? If I was to drive up to President Bush's estate, walk up to the door, knock on the door and say, Hey, President Bush, it's me, Josh. Guys, I'd be escorted off the property because I may know a lot about President Bush, but I don't have a personal relationship with President Bush. See, there's a lot of people in America, they know a lot about Jesus. But they don't have a personal relationship with him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, with nobody looking around. Listen, I'm going to do things a little bit different this morning. This morning, I am not going to call you to the front of this church. This morning, I want you to make a decision for God right there in your seat. With no pressure on you, between you and God. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to simply slip up your hand to receive Jesus Christ if you do not have him in your heart. With nobody looking around. And you know what? If somebody sees you, raise your hand. Don't worry about it because they don't hold your future, guys. On the count of three, if you want to receive Jesus, if you want to receive Jesus and begin that wonderful relationship with him on the count of three, I'm going to ask you to simply slip your hand up and to be counted in a prayer. And that's all we're going to do. I'm not going to call you forward, guys, because it really and truly is about your decision for Christ Jesus. On the count of three, with nobody looking around, right there in your seats. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you to slip your hand up. You want to receive Jesus. One, two, three. Just slip your hand up. Praise the Lord. I see those hands. I see that hand. I see that hand. You can just raise it up and you can put it down. You can just raise it up and put it down. Doesn't matter how high you lift it. Doesn't matter how low you lift it. Doesn't matter how long you have it in the air. You acknowledge. You want a relationship with Jesus Christ. Is there anybody else? Oh, praise God for that. I see that hand. Is there anybody else? Well, praise God. Praise God for that hand right there. Is there anybody else? Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Well, let's say a prayer, guys. If you raised your hand and the whole church, I want you, I want you to join in with them. Let's all say this together. Let's, 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 let's 
Join in with the people that are fixing to receive Christ through prayer. On the count of three, here we go. Everybody say, one, two, three, everybody say, God, Father. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. You're my Savior, Jesus. Come into my heart. Change me. Rearrange me. Make me into the Christian. You want me to be. I confess with my mouth. And I believe in my heart. God raised Jesus. From the dead. Let that count. For my sin. Amen. Amen. Give yourself a big round of applause, church. You know what? I'm going to take these very few last minutes. And I just want to share my heart with you guys. You see... We go by faith. A lot of you already know that. We don't charge the schools. We don't charge the churches. 90%, even more than that, I would dare say that 95% of the churches we go to, we come strictly in faith. We don't charge anything. Not only that, we pay our own airfare. And guys, it is very hard. This week alone, we are almost $5,000 short of reaching our budget and being able to pay the guys. It is amazing to me how much money it takes to run a ministry and to bring guys in and to have teams that go out, guys. It's amazing to me. I wish, I really and truly wish it was free. I wish it was free for ministers to go all over America, but guys, it's not. And you know what? The Bible says this. The Bible says that some will send and some will preach. But how will they preach if none will send them? Guys, listen. I'm going to be totally honest with you. A lot of people think that we're so blessed for what we do. But you have to realize something. You are the ones that are blessed. You want to know why? I would never expect you to come up here on this stage, break all these bricks, cut yourself all up, get all these bruises, go to the next city, go to the next... I wouldn't expect you to do this, guys. This is what God has called us to do. This is the sacrifice we make. But you know how you can count in the exact same blessing that we get? You can send us. You can use your finances to fund a ministry, to go out into America and do this stuff and see thousands of people saved. Your pastor has instilled in each and every one of you what sowing and reaping is. If you sow into fertile soil, you will reap a huge harvest. Amen? Guys, tonight or today, this morning, every Sunday, from Sunday morning to the to the the last program, we have to believe God for the major part of our finances because you have to realize that when we go out and we do these week shows, we are speaking to a lot of people that don't know anything about giving. They don't. They haven't been taught how to give. They haven't been taught that they will be will be blah, will be blessed for giving. Amen. So this morning, you are guys. Guys, you're God's first army. And you know what? We used to charge $1,000 a school assembly. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we had a teacher give $1,000. And I thought to myself, how can a teacher afford to give a gift of $1,000 to a ministry like this? But you know what I realized? She sees it for what it is. She sees how many people we touch inside these schools. And you know what? It really touched me. So, ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to ask you this morning to make a sacrifice to the Lord. I'm going to ask you to send us off into America. Send us to the next crusade. 
Ushers, if you'll come forward, pass out an envelope to everybody here, guys. We call this an envelope of hope because this is the only way that we make it. We don't take outside donations. We don't take government funding or, or, or all these corporate businesses that try to get a piece of us. Guys, we keep ourselves open and we go only by God's people. And if you want to get a miracle in your life, you want to get a true blessing in your life, whether you give to this ministry or you give to any ministry, you give to any ministry that goes out and sees thousands of people saved every year, guys, God will honor you and He will bless you for sacrificing so that we can go out and do this. So everybody in here, make sure everybody in here gets this envelope. We call this the envelope of hope, guys. And today, I want you to do something. I don't want you to make this just a regular love offering, but I want you to ask God, God, what is my part in this offering? What can I sacrifice? Because God, guys, whatever you sacrifice to the Lord, God will honor that. For some of you, a sacrifice might be $5. If that's a true sacrifice for you, God will honor it. For some of you in here, $100 might be a sacrifice. $100, honestly, $100 would be a sacrifice for me. We don't make much money, guys. We don't. A lot of people think we do, but we don't. We live in this ministry week to week because we believe the only way that we should do it is to believe in God's people to send the missionary. Amen. And Sunday mornings is where we make our finances to be able to go out into the world. So right now, Pastor, will you come forward? Will you pray a blessing over this offering?